welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. Because without him, we don't have the strength, the stamina, the power wherewith to overcome the world that we live in and the things of the world. Amen. Well, the Bible simply says it this, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So it's important. It's a day-to-day relationship and walk with God. Amen. That uh, none of us have arrived. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't perfect yet. <laughs> How many will agree with that? We ain't perfect. I used to get tickled at my dad. There was a song that they used to sing years ago, I Ain't Perfect, Just Forgiven. And uh, he wasn't a real fan of that song, so I used to tease him with it all the time. (laughs) Amen. But uh, there's another song we used to sing years ago, Hold the Fort for I Am Coming. Amen. And uh, you old timers probably remember those songs we used to sing years ago. Ephesians, the fifth chapter this evening, I apologize, our screen is not working. We have a component where a lot of things go into and come out of, and that has, uh, as a lot of technology does, it has uh, ceased to live. (laughs) It has failed us, and so we have to get a new one in. So we're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Or may I say, if you have your phones. If you've got your Bible app on your phone. So sometimes we have to be careful not to be too critical of somebody that's got their phone out during church because they might be reading their Bible. Amen. There is good Bible features that, uh, that I use, and some of you do as well, to where you can plug in and, and, and the uh, narrator will read the Bible. It'll help you through those genealogies, pronouncing those names and cities and places and things. Here in the book of Ephesians that we have been in, we just talked last, ended up last week talking about the new life that was in Christ Jesus. And uh, verse 5 comes into play. Uh, or chapter 5, it talks about the first 22 verses or so, talks about, 21 verses, talks about the ways of the believer, and then we will finish up tonight, if we have time, speaking about marriage. Amen. How many believes marriage is a... Marriage is a good thing. We're we're going to talk about it, uh, about marriage being the symbolic, being symbolic of the church. Excuse me. And so we want to begin that. Amen. So let's pray together. We've been standing a lot tonight, and let's just ask the Lord to touch us. Lord God, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Amen. It is a lamp into our feet. It strengthens us. It nourishes us. It leads us. It guides us. It helps us along the way. So I pray, God, tonight, amen, let your word have an impact in our hearts. Let our ears be open to hear what you would speak unto us and our hearts open to receive it. And everybody say in Jesus' name, God bless you, you may be seated. Verse 1, 
He begins this chapter by saying, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Be ye followers of God as dear children. Verse 2, he says, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, a sweet-smelling aroma. Verse 1, he says, Be followers of God as dear children. Now, followers of God, that basic idea of Christianity is to imitate Christ right? Imitate Christ. In other words, do outwardly what Christ has done inwardly for us. Amen. Imitate Him. Christ is in us, Paul said, the hope. Everybody say the hope of glory. Amen. So, you know, sometimes verse 2 here, uh, he says, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling uh, aroma. Uh, verse 2, in other words, a lot of times we try to put the blame on God for things. How many ever known somebody that was bitter at God? They were angry at God. They, they were putting the blame on God for what was coming on, that was coming in our lives. Amen. But listen, don't, don't put all the blame on God for your shortcomings, for your faults, for your issues, for your situation. Amen. The way you remedy that is what he's talking about here. We need to bring our flesh or put our flesh on the altar as a sacrifice, just like Jesus did. He sacrificed his life for us. Amen. It's in him that we find our... It's in him that we will find our direction. It's in him, amen, that we will find that fortification in our life for what we're getting ready to talk about the next few verses. When the world comes against us, we need that relationship with God, amen, to be there to give us that... Uh, uh, ability to resist, amen, uh, the devil, right? Amen. Resist the devil. Resist the onslaught of the world. And so verse 3, he talks about, but fornication and all the uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saints. Now fornication, uh, the definition of that is all kinds of sexual uh, sin. Our world is ate up with it today. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is today. Uh, it seems like everywhere you turn. You can't even listen to some radio programs to where people are using innuendos or uh, some kind of uh, perversion uh, to uh, uh, talk about whatever they're talking about. And uh, uh, it's just that these are the things we have to guard ourselves from. Amen. He goes on in verse 4. Now, listen, I could take a lot of time in breaking this down. You need to go back in Ephesians 5, read it in its entirety, and, and begin to extract from that uh, what Paul is trying to speak and speaking to the church at Ephesus as well as us. I'm trying to get to a point tonight where I can deal with uh, the marriage, the, the parallel between the church and the natural, the spiritual and the natural. But I did want to pick up a few things here along the way. And verse 4 he talks about filthiness. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting. That word jesting there uh, simply uh, 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 means, uh, uh, you know, uh, things that we say or in jest. Uh, and he says, which are not convenient or the, the coarse jesting. Uh, you know, I, I've been in situations where, uh, you know, here's the point. When people know you're a preacher, they know you're a child of God but they just can't help themselves. Now they may say, oh man, preacher, I'm sorry, or, or uh, you know, uh, chaplain, I'm sorry, or whatever, but they can't help themselves sometimes when they get a rolling in conversations, and sometimes some things come out of their mouth to where you're thinking, man, if that was me, my mom had done had the soap bar out a long time ago, and I'd have been chewing on salt and spitting suds for a while. 
Amen. But filthiness. In other words, don't talk dirty. Is this okay for Wednesday night? Amen. Our younger generation, they find themselves, and our, our, our older generation as well, find themselves just dirty talk is acceptable nowadays. But he says, no, don't filthiness. You don't want that in your life. You don't want to you don't want have foolish talking uh, in your life. That silliness, you don't need silly talking in your life. Amen. You don't need that. Verse 5, he talks about the idolater. Verse 5 talks about the idolater. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. Everybody say idolater. Amen. Is an idolater. Uh, I lost my place here. Hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Amen. In other words, let me go back to verse 4 where he says, No foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. That word convenient right there, that simply means fitting or proper. Don't, don't, don't talk about things that are not fitting or proper, but rather give thanks to God. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Idolater. What is idolatry? We, 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 we preach about it quite often, but idolatry is putting away anything or pu- putting away or putting aside anything that has become like a God in our lives. In other words, there's things that we do where we substitute God, supposedly the God that we serve, for something else. Something else has become a priority in our life other than God. And Paul's saying, look, don't do that. Amen. Don't do that. As, as You don't want to put idolatry in your life. That could be anything, folks. That could be anything. Anything that will, let me just put it this way. Anything that stands between you and God is an obstacle. It is a a mountain or it is something that obstructs your view of what God needs to be in your life. So because when you have a clear view of God in your life, it will affect everything else that you are involved in. So when I have a clear view of God, a good relationship with God, I come from that standpoint of view, He's going to help me resist those things that want to come into my life. Amen. It's important that we understand that. Idolatry is putting anything else before God in your life. Verse 8, he simply says, For ye are sometimes, or once, that word sometimes is once, in darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walking as children of the light. In other words, children of the light, that, that, word, that, 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 that phrase, children of the light, simply means that you are native, everybody say native, to the light. Amen. That's your place. That's what you're used to. That's what you know. You are a child of of the light. I am native to it. Verse 11, he talks about unfruitful works. In other words, when we are born again, the enemy, understand this, has turned your neighbor right now and say, when you are born again, the enemy has no right to reproduce his fruit in your life anymore. When you are born again, the enemy has no right. That's why your view of God must be unobstructed. You need to have that view of God. And don't let the other little things obstruct that view because it will hinder your relationship with God and the things of God. Amen. Unfruitful works. Verse 11 uses a word and have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather 
reprove them. Everybody say reprove them. Amen. In other words, expose them. Reprove just means expose. Rebuke, discipline, convict, correct, and expel. See, that's a problem with the world today. They can say, I'm sorry, but we don't necessarily will expel that from our life. Does that make sense? Amen. I do something wrong, I say, oh man, I realize I'm sorry, but we, we repeat it. We, we, don't, we don't deal with it from the standpoint of the Word of God and our relationship with God. Amen. Because sometimes there are things that are stuck in our life that we're going to have to have help getting them out. Right? I see a guy the other day do something really stupid. And I mean that. I'm like, man, either something's not wired quite right in your brain because he set a six-foot cactus on his trampoline and proceeded to jump on top of that cactus. Now, is that ignorant or is that ignorant? I mean, I think that's a definition of ignorance. Why would you do that? Because he wants people to, you know, sign up or whatever. And I'm thinking, you're nuts. And then somebody, he had to have help because somebody, some of those were embedded to a place to where he had to have tweezers and somebody else had to pluck them out of him. Now, folks, sometimes we get entangled in the world, and man, the world lights us up. And there's a lot of things you're not going to extract or be able to get out of your, your life unless you go to the physician, the great physician, uh, Jesus Christ. Amen. And say, Lord, I, I've been stuck, and I've got some problems, and I, I can't do this on my own. And that's when the Lord comes into your life and begins to, to, to work on you and, and begins to repair you and begins to remold you and begins to remake you. Don't be afraid to tell God you're sorry. Some people will say to me sometimes, they'll say, well, you know, I've just done so much, I don't think God. No, 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 no. God, God is God. And God forgives us and can forgive us from anything that we, have, that we have done wrong. Nothing. That's the kind of God we serve. His blood covers a multitude of sins. Right? Amen. So don't look down your, your, your righteous nose and think that God can't save somebody or God can't change somebody. Amen. Look at them and say, God... What you've done for me, you can do for them. How you change my life, you can change their life. You set me free, you can set them free. Paul said, you know, hey, look, I was the chief of sinners. And yet God said, I've got a mission for you. I've got something for you to do. Right? Amen. So, so sometimes we need the Lord. We need reproving. Sometimes we need God to expose some things in our lives, right? Sometimes we need His rebuke. Sometimes we need His discipline. Sometimes we need Him through His Word to convict us and correct us and expel the very thing in our lives that doesn't need to be there. But pastor, you don't understand. I've struggled with this. For a long time. Well, here's the, here's the good news. You don't have to struggle anymore. Take it to the Lord. Amen. Let God work on your life. Right? Everybody say praise the Lord. Praise Amen. The Lord. Understand, there can be no compromise with the unfruitful works of darkness. Amen. Uh, what do they say? You know, it's, it's real big in politics. And then you hear the phrase about light. Uh, and I'm, and I'm drawing a blank on it. But what is that deal about sunshine exposes or cleanses? Uh, they use it a lot. In other words, being open about something. You know, when it's revealed. Amen. You can deal with the problem when it's revealed. It's when we want to keep it hidden, deep, dark. 
places of our lives that we can't really, you know, we're not exposing. But God comes into our lives. We say, Lord, I want to be an open book. I want, I, want, I, want, I want you to reveal to me. I want you to touch my life. I want you to change me. I want you. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, God, we need him to expose us, right? Amen. We need the light to purge the darkness. Verse 12, for it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. What things? Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. So when you speak of something, when you speak of something, you magnify you intensify it. And, and uh, that's why this generation, my opinion, humble opinion, is, is this generation is worse than any previous generation because they have put immorality in public more than any generation before them. You, you know as well as I do, amen, the World War II generation would be rolling over in their graves if they knew what was going on in our day and time. The disrespect. You know what, what needs to happen with a lot of our kids? That generation needs to come back and raise them. Hello? Why do I feel like they'd all be put in jail nowadays? So they had a wood, you know, when they said, we're going to take you out the woodshed, you know, woodshed, my mom used to talk about the razor strop. Does anybody know what the razor strop is? Yeah. Sharpen that razor. Piece of leather. Yeah. Razor strop. Does anybody know what a belt is anymore? To them, it was more than holding your britches up. It was a tool. It was a tool to discourage you from doing bad things, right? That weeping willow tree out there in the yard. <laughs> Woo. Young people, you have no idea. You have no idea. They would straighten this world up in a New York minute. But the world seems to be reproducing these things. And this generation seems to speak of, of, of something uh, that is counter, counter to the righteousness of God. And, 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 and here's the problem. So we got to realize that what we produce in this world or what they are producing... Amen. What they're doing is they're giving that very thing the permission to exist. That's why you and I have to fight against that. And we're not perfect. Turn to your neighbor and say, you ain't perfect. We're not perfect. We have our faults. We, have our, we, got, we do mistakes, right? Amen. That's what I always tell people. Don't be so self-righteous. And, and, and look down at people because one day you could mess up. And I've been in situations where I think there were some people that wish they would have given more mercy. Because now they were in a situation where they needed mercy. And everybody was sitting around going, yeah, right. So you have to realize, amen, you don't want to reproduce something and give it permission to exist. Amen. But here's the good news. That this works for good things as well. So you speak righteousness. You speak love. You speak peace. Amen. You speak the things of God. You're giving them permission to exist. So choose. Choose. What do you want to exist in your life? The unfruitful things of the world? Or the things of God? The fruitful things of God. I choose 
to have the fruitful things of God exist in my life and not the unfruitful things of the world. Everything's, look, everything, the world is going to produce fruit in your life if you allow it to exist in your life. The things of God are going to reproduce the things of God if we allow it to exist in our life. So we speak those things. Somebody say praise God. So in other words, I get out of verse 14 that if you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, if you're a saint, don't let the world lull you to sleep with a lot of their talk. Folks, listen, we're losing. In this world today, we are losing. You know, this is why I say this is the greatest country in the world. And somebody made this statement, it's a republic if you can keep it. One of our founding fathers. It is a republic if you can keep it. In other words, there's going to be some battles ahead that if we make the wrong decisions, we could lose the very thing that God, I believe, gave us. Right? And we're fighting those things. You know, I, I was you know listening uh, to something uh, uh, today even that, uh, in in uh, uh, England, where people that were on talk shows, or, or they call them presenters over there, and how, you know, they were on relatively what you would call conservative uh, uh, um, news and things of that nature, and because they had an opinion about something, uh, somebody that they had, you know, talked about all kinds of stuff, but, but it, it went against the narrative of what they were trying to do as a country, and literally... You know, I, you can go check it, but I won't tell the whole story tonight. But literally, that guy, they come and arrested him. He lost his job. And then somebody else lost their job. trying to. T- and then a, a, a reverend, a minister, a clergyman was trying to, and he lost a job at that place as well. And what were they talking about? They were talking about freedom of speech. Our number one, Right? When you look at that, conver- at that uh, the Declaration of Independence and, and the amendments and all of that, the First Amendment is freedom of speech and of press. But how many of you have listened enough to know that that's even coming under attack? And you go to the north of us and you will find that preachers have to watch what they say in the pulpit for fear of being arrested we're not living in the generations that have preceded us now things are going on that you and I probably even my age at 63 uh, there's things that I never even dreamed if you would have told me 25 years ago about things that are going on today I'd have said you're nuts we'll never do that we'll never compromise this think about it folks Amen. So we can't let the world lull us to sleep and say, oh, it's okay. You know, you can be a Christian, but, you know, you don't have to, you know, just, just kind of accept everything. No. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can't accept it. If it's against the word of God, if it's not in, if, if God says it's a sin, it's a sin. Amen. That's why you and I have to work on our relationship every day. We have to work on that not to allow ourselves to be lulled to sleep by the world. Accept it. No. I'm not going to accept it. I'm going to fight against it. How do you do it? Amen. I want my relationship to be even more ironclad with God. Look, I know where the world's headed. I know what's going to happen. I've read the end of the book. How many's read the end of the book? You know what's coming down the pike, right? Amen. That's why you and I need to just kind of keep working on, just pick away at it every day. Pick away at it every day. Just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Read a little bit more, pray a little bit more, come to church a little bit more, talk to God a little bit more. Amen. Follow that progression. Amen. Because God's going to take us out of this world. And when His Spirit vacates the premises, then God help those that are left behind. It's not going to be a good place. Amen. So, verse five, verse 15, rather, he says, See then that ye walk 
circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. In other words, walk very carefully. Very carefully. Walk with, be purposeful about it. Walk worthily. Walk accurately. Verse 16, why? Here's what he says. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Read that with me. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. In other words, make the most of every opportunity. Amen. Why? Because the days are evil. Now, it, it, it kind of assigns a reason. It tells us why we need to seize the opportunity that we have, right? Amen. Why? Time. Now, the word time here in this verse means, it, it comes from the word karios, K-A-I-R-O-S. What that means, special moments of God's visitation. Amen. Special moments of God's visitation. Redeeming the time, redeeming those special moments of God's visitation. It's not talking about chronos or time measured by your watch or a clock or whatever. It's talking curious. Amen. Special moments of God's visitation. Time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Verse, let's go down to verse 18. Verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, to indulge in pleasure to the point of harming yourself. A lot of people get drunk. You're, you lose your inhibitions. You can't control yourself. That's what the world is doing today. They're becoming so intoxicated with the things of the world. Amen. But we need to be intoxicated with the Spirit of God. We need to get lost in the Spirit of God. Amen. That's why they said that, that are these people drunk? Peter gets up and says, no, we're not drunk as you suppose. This is what was prophesied in the book of Joel. Amen. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. In other words, I don't want to lose my inhibitions, uh, amen, over alcohol in the world. Amen. But I want to lose them in the Holy Ghost. Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. How many's ever done that? How many's sung songs? To yourself. I used to tell my mom. Does, let me ask you this question. Does, do any of you talk to yourself sometimes? I, I, my mom, one time, she was talking to herself. My mom used to love to talk to herself. If she messed up, she'd say, Mary Ella, she'd get frustrated about something, but she would talk to herself, and one time I said, Mom, why are you talking to yourself? She said, well, it's okay, as long as I don't answer. <laughs> I'm like, you're wacko. But singing, my mom would sing. I would hear her sing in the house. She'd be singing out, planting flowers. She'd be praying. If you came in here when she was cleaning the church years ago, many of you probably experienced if you walked in, then you want to turn around and walk back out. Why? Because she'd be cleaning the, the, the pews and she'd be praying. Praying for every pew that somebody was going to sit in. Amen. So Speaking and singing to yourself, not just listening to others speak and sing about God. What's it talking about? It's talking about a real relationship. Real relationship. Look, if all you did was come in the door at home and never talk to each other, how do you think your relationship was going to go? I'll tell you, it's going to end. 
Because there's no communication. As far as I'm concerned, it'd almost be better when, when you come in, somebody says, where have you been? At least it's communication. And if they reply, none of your business. At least it's communication. I know that's silly. But hear me when I tell you this right now. Talking to God matters. Singing and exalting God. Having that relationship, a real relationship matters. Everybody say real. You know in your personal relationship if it's real or not. You can feel there's something there. It matters. Amen. In verse 21, I'm trying to move on here. Giving thanks always, verse 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Well, well, well. There's that ugly word, submitting. Submitting. I'm not submitting to nobody, bless God. (laughs) Well, you already have. What do you mean I have? You submitted to the enemy of your soul. You think you're not submitting to anybody, but you are. You're going to submit. Here's the deal. You're going to submit to the things of God or the things of the world, one way or the other. We submit that. Now, we don't think on those terms. We don't like that. But here, understand this. God has chosen submission as the principle of the kingdom that sets the tone for all relationships. Submission. What is submission? Pastor, do we have to talk about that tonight? Submission is when you give up your will for mine. Sub. Mission. In other words, your mission is under my mission. So when I submit to God, amen, I'm coming under my, his mission. I'm submitting to his mission. That's the only way it works, is when I submit to his mission. Amen. So his mission, everybody say his mission, becomes my mission when I submit. There's no submission when there's, no, when there's, when there's not disagreement or conflict. That is not submission. That's just, that's just basically an agreement. We bargain. Well, I'll do this, I'm going to whatever, if you do this. No, no. There is no agreement with God. There is no, you're not going to find that. You're, he says, look, if you'll just do this, if you'll live this way, follow me. Let me be the Lord of your life. Let me be the one that helps you along the way. That's, that's where we're success. So, you know, this is a scripture we all kind of like to avoid. But let's go ahead and try to tackle it the next few verses. Let me read verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Ooh, it just got quiet. See, let me just say this. There's two things that must, must be in a marriage. Number one is love, and the second thing is respect. If you don't have either one of those, you don't have a marriage. You may have a contract, but you don't have a marriage. Right? And that goes both ways. Twenty-three. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Men, understand that. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Everything. Amen. In everything. That, that's, you know, every area, every issue, you know, when you, when you work it together. Don't get quiet on me here tonight. All right. Therefore, as the church, verse 24, subject in Christ, so let the wives be under their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. In other words, don't be rude, don't be crude, don't be this dominant thing in the life. Well, Bible says, you got to submit to me. Well, just kind of cover up because they're fixing to deck you. They're fixing to throw a brick or anything they get in there. They're fixing to take you to the woodshed real quick. 
But he says, husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, that he might present it himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. In other words, he profits from his love. He profits even as his wife profits. He profits. Somebody say hallelujah. For no man ever, ever yet hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And then notice what Paul says here. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence or respect her husband. Hey, listen, we've lost a lot of that. But I want to stop here. Understand this. Marriage is not the issue here. What? Marriage is not, it's the mystery. Everybody say mystery. Mystery is the issue. In other words, God wants us to make our marriage a sacrifice unto Him so that people who do not see the mystery can see our marriage. And through seeing our marriage, we'll understand the mystery of Christ in the church. So in other words, our marriage, we need to, we need to have our marriage like the marriage is with Christ in the church. Why is that? Because the world is looking. They may not understand the mystery. They might not understand the message. All they know is what they're seeing. And if our life is not producing something that is Christ-like, that's what they see. Therefore, they say, ah, they say they're Christians, but they don't act like Christians. They say this, but... They're this, they're that, they're something else. So what Paul's saying is our, our relationship needs to be an example. Our relationship with God and us, amen, what the world sees in us. They need to see the product, the reproductive product of Christ in us. Right? Which is a mystery. Amen. So, really, honestly, both the man and the woman are deeply challenged here, amen, to play their part in that. Wives submit like the church. Husbands love like Christ. God says, in the process of you struggling to play your roles, you will appreciate even more what I have done for you. Look, you don't score points with me when I hear you say something to your spouse. That's a little, you know, suspect. I want to see that love. I want to see that marriage able to work through those things. And understand, this is not Christ-like. Turn to your neighbor and say, Christ-like. If, if we want that submission with each other, we have to have first the submission between us and God. Why, that's why you've heard it said before. I've said it, and we'll all say it again. If you want this relationship to be right, first this relationship has to be right. My relationship with God has to be right if I, have a, if I even stand a chance at this one to be right. Amen. He's done a lot for us. And the only way marriage can survive for years is for the man. We have to crucify our flesh. Amen. Both the husband and the wife, we have to submit ourselves. We, you know, we, we have to go to that place. You know, we, we do the prayer, not my will but thine be done. 
Right? Not my will, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Amen. Man, sometimes I wonder, do we really mean that? Do we really mean that? Not my will, but thine. <laughs> Amen. So, verse 26, he said, Christ loved something that he had to keep working on. Right? How many glad that you serve a God that's willing to keep on working on you? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be, right? Amen. I want to be that person that, that, that you know, sometimes he might have to pick me up and slap me back on the, uh, on the potter's wheel and begin to rework me. Man, that's how much he loves us. He's willing to keep on working us. He's not going to leave you out there on the, on the heaps of, uh, of the world. Amen. And that's what the pattern is, I believe, for a Christian marriage is you work on it. You work on it. Everybody say work on it. Amen. That's, that's what this is all about. It's not about, you know, uh, you know that's not, uh, uh, you know, just doing our own thing. <laughs> Bless God. Bless God. Man. We've got to love one another as Christ has loved us. Amen. Understand this. What he's talking about here about love, the husband and wife. To the degree you love your wife, you love yourself. And to the degree you hate your wife, you hate yourself. We've got to work on that. Verse 20, 29, he talks about nourisheth. In other words, you feed it. I nourish it. I feed it. You've got to feed your, your life, your walk with God. You have to feed that. You've got to feed it with the Word of God. You've got to feed it through prayer, supplication. You've got to feed it in your songs and hymns that you give unto God. You have to feed that. You've got to nourish that. And then he said you've got to cherish it. You've got to esteem it. But you've got to work on it. The most intimate relationship that we have on earth is what God wants to use to portray His relationship with the church. God wants us to use our house. Everybody say, my house. God wants to use our house to preach to our community. And folks, here's the simple thing. This is what it is. Who we are at home is who we really are. Who we are at home. And then in verse 33, it, the commands are different. Husbands, love, and wives, respect. Story in the Old Testament at the beginning when Satan tempted Eve, he was trying to get, he was trying to, get to Adam. Right? So, man, sometimes you just have to understand. Cut it off at the pass. Understand, when that wife tries to trip your trigger, just look at it this way. Amen. The enemy's just trying to get to you. Now, your wife is not the enemy. But we have to sometimes step up to the plate. Because we all go through it. Because you know the devil's not going to attack God directly. He already tried that and he lost. So he's going to attack the church. And if he can destroy our unity, he can hinder the work of God in the earth. Amen. So when, when man and a woman connect, they produce fruit, just like God and His church. That's why the serpent attacked their union in the Garden of Eden. And when you read the Scripture, the bride of Christ, the church is both the bride of Christ and the body of Christ. Eve was both the bride and the body of Adam. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So the fall of humanity didn't take place when Eve was deceived and ate. The fall of man took place when Adam deliberately and intentionally ate. Eve was deceived, but with Adam it was a decision. He decided. And it was his decision that caused the fall 
of humanity. Amen. I'm going to close there. I'm not done, but I'm going to close. So think about it tonight. The importance of our relationship with God is going to affect our relationships with everything else. We are going to be successful or we're not depending on our relationship with God. Let people see our relationship with one another as one that is positive, not negative. Right? Everybody say positive, not negative. Even on an individual basis, let people see my relationship as one as being a child of God. Not one of a hypocrite that, you know, whatever. But it's one that's trying. Trying to be what God wants me to be. And letting Him work on us and us work on it. Because that's what the church is all about. That's what it's all about. Let's stand together. Amen. I know it's late. I know I went quite long, but... I know God wants to do something in our life. If we just yield our life to to Him and allow Him to work on us, amen, He's going to do something magnificent in us. Praise God, magnificent. Amen. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, God loves you. And so do I. God loves you and so do I. Lord God, we thank you for this evening, for this time that we've had together. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for this kerios, this moment in time, this time that we have with you so that you can work on us, you can mentor us, you can talk to us, you can help us, you can lead us, you can guide us, amen, to become more like you. And Lord God, that we would become more like you so the world will see you in us and realize there is a life that can be different in them. So Lord Jesus, I pray that you would touch us, lead us and guide us. Let, 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 let us find those open opportunities in those times that we can talk to somebody about your saving power, saving grace, how you touched us and how you can touch them. Let us, let us have a positive influence in our world. Amen. And Lord, we know that you're coming for your church one of these days. And you said it'll be a church without spot or wrinkle that's been washed in your blood. So cover us tonight with your blood. Lead us and guide us. Amen. Help us to be that tool. Amen. Help us to be that, that mentor, that, uh, that teacher, that leader. Amen. That, that child of God that just is determined to follow you with everything. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody say, Amen.